Hello and welcome along to the World Game Live. It's fantastic to have your company this Wednesday, the 3rd of February. I'm your host, Lucy Zerlich, and joining me from his home here in Sydney is my co-host, co-star, colleague, friend, mentor, advisor. Mentor? Mentor? I don't think yeah, so. Mentor. Mentor me. You've mentored me on all things Barca. That's what I definitely can say up okay. until this point. And okay. I know that you'll wear that crown, but it is none other than the great Nick Stoll, a.k.a. Stoll, just be a sport journalist. How are you, my son? Are you well? I'm I'm good. I'm much better than uh, Southampton fans after coughing nine goals this morning. Oof. Ah, yucky poo-poo. And we're going to talk about that in our Premier League wrap later on. But we've got a hell of a stacked show coming to you guys this afternoon, as we always do every week. And it's great to have your company. We can already see one of our regular viewers, Michael Long, tuning in. Great to have your company. Good afternoon, guys. He says, great to see you, Michael, as I'm sure we'll continue to welcome some more of our friends here. Michael Long also saying, Lucy in a Dortmund top, is Harland going to Liverpool? I bloody love him to come to Liverpool. But <laughs> central defenders which we've managed to sign in this transfer window it's what we need they might end up being duds but at this point i'm delighted that we've found some replacements so the return of virgil van dyke so far this season i think um you'd have to say is very unlikely as klopp has come out and said in the media but that again is for later discussion today we're catching up with women's football expert sam lewis she's going to talk all things w league and also the massive debacle that we saw play out in the w league match between melbourne victory and adelaide united and uh, and it concerns uh, our friends over at fox Sports. They've come under fire for some really unsavoury broadcast feeds so far throughout this W League season, and we'll get into just what needs to be done with respect to that. Later on in the program, we'll also be catching up with MacArthur FC Director Sam Kruslovich, who's very, very pleasantly decided to join us today amidst what's been a hell of a lot of conversation going around about the club with respect to ticket prices, etc., and the debacle that involved themselves in Sydney FC. And we've got Sam to come on the show and hopefully put a few things to bed or ignite some more drama. We don't know which way it's going to go solid but we hope that um, the club, who we think, you know, are doing so well at the moment as a debut club, it's great to see their on-field exploits. will be able to put to, to bed some of the issues that are occurring off the field. And, of course, we've got a hell of a lot coming up in terms of Aussies abroad. We'll talk about the Premier League, as I mentioned there earlier. And bad news, good news. We always love to hear your thoughts, guys, so make sure you get them in because we love to see what's happening around the traps with respect to the football world. But I want to get started. Stolich, of course, has been a hell of a lot going on in the news. But we'll start off with this news item. And it's a bit of a sad one, unfortunately, and, and quite a surprising one too. And it's that Xanthi um, have parted ways with Jelko Kulitz, their goalkeeping coach. Uh, the statement came out yesterday in which, and we had Google Translate actually convert the, the statement that they had put up in which they said, Xanthi FC announces the end of its cooperation with the goalkeeping coach, coach pardon me, Jelko Kulitz. We thank him for his offer and wish him good luck in his career. As I said there, very surprising, quite shocking indeed, because they're only a, a three games in and they seem to be going quite well at the moment, Stolich. There's no reason to get upset just yet. Uh, but what happened and where to now for the former Socceroo? We know he's had a decorated career on the field, of course, off the field. He's been a great goalkeeping coach, has a fabulous reputation in that respect, has worked closely with Tony Popovich throughout his career, also at Western Sydney Wanderers. But what happened? I mean, we can only speculate at this point, but where does he go from here? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know if he'll come back to Australia where, you know, he had quite a bit of success with Sydney United in the NPL. But, yeah, it is very disappointing that it hasn't worked out. Obviously, him and Popper are very close, um, good friends. And we were kind of, you know, there's kind of like a dream even for us, you know, Aussies watching of, of these two Australians going over to Greece, bringing a bunch of Australian players as well and, and, you know, taking on, you know, getting promotion and taking on the rest of the Greek Super League. 
four games in, they've only conceded three goals. They're undefeated. So it can't, you would think, be performance-related or results-related. Um, a two-sentence statement doesn't suggest exactly that it's a warm farewell or anything. They haven't gone to depth to explain it. But, you know, you never know why. It could be a personal issue uh, between Kalach and Popper. It could be that, you know, Kalach just wants to return home. But, um, you know... Good luck to Spider. Good luck to uh, Janthi in the, in the Greek second division. They're coming six, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, I have no idea uh, what happened. I listened to um, Spider's podcast that he does with uh, Simon Hill and Craig Moore, and he, you know, that was released a day or two ago. He didn't say anything about it then. Just they drew it the weekend and went on to do the rest of the show as normal. So I don't know. We'll follow up and we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's a shame it hasn't worked out. Good afternoon. Well said. Good afternoon to our good friends, A-League Memes. Great to have your company once again, guys. Depending on who's on the admin, we'll just see how funny you bastards are today. Um, making more podcasts with Craig Moore and Simon Hill, they said. that's um That's been a, you know, a standing item, of course. He's still continued to contribute to the podcast while he has been in Greece. Um, but as you said there, it's, um, it's, it's disappointing to hear because we know, of course, he has an excellent reputation when it comes to his goal coaching, uh, goalkeeper coaching skills. Um, and it's a shame really because to, to have someone like that involved fall out so quickly uh, really doesn't bode well for him and as you said they're also Xanthi they're, they're doing not too bad they've I think they've had two draws and a win and they're sitting sixth and it's only early doors in the season there so we'll have to watch this space um, it's been pretty pretty surprising for all of us to say the least I think it's been made clear we're not funny now you guys are you have your moments and we love your moments but it's just when you have your not so funny moments that we expect more isn't that right Stolich? I, I like to think of them as like a good striker. You know, you, you just keep shooting, all right? Sometimes you're going to miss, but you have the confidence to go again. You you, you don't lose you don't lose confidence by missing a few, and there's a few misses. But anyway, it, it's all good. It's all good. We enjoy we enjoy their uh, their coverage and their uh, uh, interventions in Australian well, some football. Days, some days they're going to be like Higuain, and other days they're going to be like Ronaldo. So you just got to take your pick on who you get. Moving on to our next item, the A League wrap. How about this? Brisbane go top of the table. The Duke of Parramatta, Mitchell Duke, has made the sensational call to come back to Western Sydney Wanderers. Phoenix finally, after a serious bout of desperation, have secured their first win. The Sky Blues belted the Bulls. Um, what did we learn from this round? Is the first question that we're going to ask off the back of the last few string of games, Stolich. Um, but uh, what did you learn? I think the two big takeaways that I would have from this round is that Brisbane look really good this season, uh, really impressed with them, a big improvement under what was, you know, Robbie Fowler's awful team to watch. Um, Dylan Wenzel-Halls looks fantastic. His combination with Scott McDonald is brilliant. Great goal from Jay O'Shea. I still really like uh, Danzuki there. He's fantastic. So Brisbane Roar looking very, very good. And have, Sydney we not F- talked, have we not talked about them enough, Stolich? I don't feel like when we were coming into the season and yeah. now in these first few games that we've really perhaps given Brisbane the respect that maybe they deserve. Well, because they were so kind of boring last year, so we didn't want to talk about them because we were just, you know, bored to death by them. But big credit to Warren Moon, who comes in. You know, Warren Moon, he's not a big name. He's not an ex-Socceroo or anything like that. You know, he comes in from the MPL. Uh, it was with Lions FC, I think, uh, in Queensland. You know, doing a good job, really impressive, getting the best out of his players. So, you know, I think maybe we should be looking there more often for coaches who are really showing their qualities rather than, say, your big names who used to play for Liverpool, like Robbie Fowler, like Marcus Babbel, both great, great players, especially Robbie Fowler. I loved watching him play uh, back in the 90s. 
But, you know, his coaching was terrible. And you see him now in India, and he's just every time I see him in India, he's just upset with some interviewer or some referee or something. It's not working out there for him either. So mm-hmm. I would just say that uh, Brisbane Raw are really good. The other big thing I took away from this week was I feel like Sydney FC made a bit of a statement saying, hey, we might not be as good as we have been in previous years, but we're still pretty bloody good. And Milos Ninkovic especially encapsulates that because I thought he was really good against MacArthur, especially that goal. just showed all his quality. Um, the fact that even at that age, he can just burst past the defense. Maybe it says more about the defense. But, yeah, Sydney FC, you know, I think they made a bit of a statement with their uh, victory as well. Um, we're going to talk about the Fox Sports coverage in just a moment. So for those of you that have made those comments, um, keep them to yourselves uh, until we actually manage to get on. Sam Lewis is going to talk through all of that with us. But um, a comment coming through from Eduardo Andres with Juki, Western Sydney Wanderers top two. Now, it's a big part of me, a big coup for them to be able to secure his services. Now, he came out in an article where he caught up with one of the World Game journalists and basically said that he was having a really tough time in Saudi Arabia when he first signed there. It was under the guise of being able to play as a striker in his preferred position and then the coach got sacked, a new coach came in, he was playing him out on the wing, he wasn't really given much of an opportunity to, to be at his best and to score goals and he said, effectively, and I'm paraphrasing because he's also just given birth to a bunch of birds have just sat in on my windowsill there. Shoo, get out of here. Um, <laughs> I'm <get> movie. <laughs> waiting for Snow White to come out. Um, and effectively, and, he, and I'm, like I said, I'm paraphrasing there. So he's now in a situation where his wife has just given birth to their second child, a daughter. He said, it's been really difficult for me mentally to be able to cope with that, but also to get my head around just how important it is to be happy and in a good mental space during your playing career. And he said, I'm 30 now. I know what I've got to offer, and I feel like this is a it's, it's, it's a move that's going to put me in better stead. Solich, your view on it all, because it is disappointing to see him back so soon. Well, I mean, I don't think it's disappointing for Wanderers fans. They seem pretty happy. And also, you know, Saudi Arabia, I never understand why players really go there either. I mean, I know obviously the money, and the money is the real reason. But, I mean, from what I've heard, I would not be wanting to live in Saudi Arabia. It doesn't seem like a fun place to, uh, Yeah, but if you it's going to set your family up, if it's going to set your family up and, and really give you a future, I think that that's what we're underestimating in all of this is that when players start to make these moves, we're quick to criticise because he did say mm. that he had offers in China and Europe. Um, but we're quick to, quick to criticise without realising that their careers are very short-lived and they are yeah. in positions where if they can get a big payday to set them up, then maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he's clearly decided that it's not worth the money in the end. So, you know, it's good that he's back. Obviously, he scored a bunch of goals. You know, it's interesting the Wanderers are making a few signings, which to me suggests uh, that Robinson isn't exactly happy with what he's got. It feels like Robinson is constantly looking elsewhere, whether it be, you know, Mitch Duke. What does that say about, you know, the form of Simon Cox and the form of Bernie Abini? You know, the fact that, we, you know, it's been reported and we're pretty confident um, that uh, Steve Ogarkovic is going to sign uh, for the Wanderers. You know, he's a fantastic player. What does that mm-hmm. say about Kieran Backus and, and his current central midfielders? So I wonder if this constant and, you know, moves in the transfer market, whether it be to bring in uh, James Troisi and, and Bernie Abini, what that says to the players that they already have, some of the youth players as well coming through. I'm not sure how good that is for Harmony. And so far, I haven't been overly impressed with the Wanderers. There's been a bit of hype about Robinson coming in and really, you know, lifting the standards and all that. And it's early on, so, we, we you know, we'll give him a bit more time. But so far, I'm not wild about it. So I'd say I think it was Eduardo who said uh, top two with Juki. Come, Eduardo, come. You know, let, let's see how they go. 
Alex Kosovsky, great to have your company this afternoon, joining us via Facebook. Thanks for your comment, mate. He said, not disappointing at all. Great to have him back in the league. I'm yeah, saying disappointing yeah. in terms of not disappointing to have him back in Australia and playing football in that respect. I think it's disappointing that it didn't work out and that he had to come back so soon because when our players go, we want to see them do well uh, abroad because it is a real challenge for a lot of them. Um, hey, in terms of A-League... Yes. I have to say, Craig Goodwin, uh, I believe last night, has left his club in Saudi Arabia. So you would think that he might be coming back uh, to the A-League and he was a fantastic player to watch at Adelaide United. So, you know, hopefully I think that would be good for the A-League if he came back. It would be good for the A-League, but knowing knowing him, I think he'd probably prefer to, to check out his options overseas. I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm not saying I'm right, but I think that, um, you know, knowing his career ambitions, I think he'll probably be looking for another mood abroad. Um, games coming up before we welcome our next special guest, the great Sam Lewis. Uh, games coming up tonight, Central Coast Mariners take on Melbourne City, which will be fantastic. And then this Friday, we've got Adelaide United taking on Perth Glory. Saturday, Brisbane face on against Melbourne Victory. MacArthur taking on Western Sydney. We're going to talk about that game with Sam when he joins us later on in the program and then you've got the Jets in action against Melbourne City. All right, it's time now to welcome our next special guest. She's all things expert when it comes to women football and she, women's football, pardon me. She had a lot of strong things to say about the latest bungle concerning Fox Sports and I think it's great that we've got her here to talk about things as this story continues to unfold. We're such a big fan of this girl, Sam Lewis. Welcome <laughs> back to the World Games. Yes, so Sam. Great to see you. How are you, Sammy? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh God, why, why are you always interrupting the most important part? We have a great guest on. Superman turns up. Come on, man. And it's only the women's game that gets affected, right? Am I yeah, right? exactly. All A-League chat, we just kept going. And then Mr. Superman just popped out of nowhere. I don't know what he's doing on the stream. Oh, man. Oh, man. I just I can't quite get over it. You know, we'd had a conversation, Solich and I, about potentially introducing something this ridiculous throughout the program. And we mean by no disrespect. I think we're trying to make it a bit tongue-in-cheek. But I knew it was coming, but I didn't know when. And now... Now that it has happened, it still makes me laugh. And every time I see this poor guy's photo, I just think, what the hell has happened here? Um, you know, he's been thrust into the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. But, um, Sam, I have to ask you, you made some really strong points about this. And, of course, it is our next topic of conversation. And for everyone just tuning in, it's great to have your company. Welcome to the World Game Live this Wednesday, the 3rd of February. Sam Lewis, women's football expert, just joining us now. So make sure you get your questions and your comments in. But it is a big talking point at the moment, and it is the fact that Fox Sports are under serious fire after the latest W League blunder. The question that we're asking is what needs to change? So from our viewers, wherever you're joining us, whether it's via Twitter, YouTube or Facebook, please get your comments in about what needs to change with respect to this coverage. Of course, the easy answer, Sam, is, well, it needs to improve. They need to put more investment in. They need to understand that this is now something that they're going to be scrutinised for and they're not going to be able to get away with it. And they are in a position now where actually the Auditor General has now, uh, you know, had some pressure put on them to start to investigate the 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 money that has been given, the $40 million that has been given to News Corp to invest in women's sports, actually. And it also comes off the back of this announcement, too, that they've partnered up with Netball Australia and they've made a big deal about how this is such a, you know, a historic moment and wonderful to see that this coverage will extend. Uh, but this is really unsavoury and I think it's caught everyone um, on, the, on, the, on the wrong side of the fence here, Sam. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The fact that it has reached government is a, a bad sign. It's a sign that things are actually getting worse than what we expected. 
Um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of a testament, I think, to the resilience of soccer Twitter that this uh, that tuba guy turned into a meme so rapidly, almost before the game had ended. Um, but it's also sort of like the dark underside of that is just like humour is the only way in which we're able to cope with this sort of stuff anymore because it's become so commonplace and so expected that this is this is our natural response to it. It's part and parcel of being a football fan in Australia now. And the frustrating thing for me, I think, with the announcement um, today that Fox Sports have partnered with the Suncorp Super Netball competition is that it just proves that the organisation, the broadcaster, is capable of doing this, that, like, a lot of the sort of reasons that have come out um, in the wake of these various bungles has been that Fox Sports have, are not able to afford to put these W League games on to the same extent that they would like to, perhaps. And that's why they have brought on board companies like Bar TV, which are, you know, cheaper alternatives for broadcasters. They're usually seen in and around NPL games, broadcasting those on YouTube. The reason that they've been brought on is because it's more affordable for Fox Sports to do so. But this partnership with Netball today shows that they can afford to actually enter into a broadcast partnership with a women's competition, not just enter into a partnership, but obviously from the media release, go the whole hog. They're going to be broadcasting every game. They're going to be producing and broadcasting every game with their own their own equipment, their own people. They're also going to be adding on different kinds of magazine shows, preview shows, all the kinds of stuff that we were used to in football a couple of years ago before things started to turn sour. So they are capable and they can afford to do it. It's just that when it comes to football, they're choosing not to. And that that's the more concerning thing for me, I think, um, and a big reason why I think clubs need to seriously reconsider entering into any other sort of contract agreements with them because if this is the way that we're being treated now, you don't want to be locked into another sort of four, eight, 12, however many long, long years long broadcast partnership with a, an organisation that has proven time and again, particularly this season, that they don't care. I want to read out some of your tweets because I thought you summed it up really well and I know that you must have also been, you know, in the heat of the moment too because for so many of us that were watching, um, we were just outraged. I didn't even take to Twitter because I was that kind of just dismayed by it all. I didn't have words and, I mean, I, I ended up going on Twitter and seeing everybody blow up afterwards but I just thought I, I can't believe this is happening and I can't believe we're in a situation where we're, ha you know, where we're continuing to have these conversations, particularly with respect to the W League. But you said another brilliant game. And that's that that was really the crying shame in all of this. Another brilliant game overshadowed by the effing disaster that is Fox Sports. It's beyond disrespectful to every person who's worked so goddamn hard in the past eight months to get the W League up and running. Players, coaches, staff, admins, fans. Enough is enough. We should be talking about how great this league is and how great these players are. We should be talking about how well the W League has organized itself in a COVID-ravaged sport landscape and how incredible it is that it's here at all. Instead, we talk about this almost weekly. Sam, if I try to look at this through a different lens and in a balanced way, are we able to cite the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic has obviously had an impact? They also looked to increase their catalogue of offerings with respect to W League games. And, and I, I can't remember, you'd, you'd, you'd probably know better than I am about what the exact figure was from what they were originally broadcasting to what they've planned to offer this season. And then partnering up with, you know, a, a broad, well, a, a, a streaming service like Bar TV, when there are other options, they could have actually gone down the path of another streaming service who do offer a more premium service, but it is at a higher cost. But is there any way that we could sort of see things from Fox Sports side of things? 
I mean, sure, yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's no mystery that broadcasters all over the world have suffered as a result of the pandemic. It's you know, sport is an ecosystem, and broadcasters have a big role to play in that, and they suffer the consequences of a lack of viewership, a lack of commercial sort of um, opportunities and things, just as clubs do, just as players do, just as leagues do. Um, but I think when it comes to Australian football, Fox Sports occupy a much a sort of a disproportionately large part of our landscape in that sense, particularly when it comes to football, because it is such a huge investor in the game. Um, I, I like obviously you can see things from their perspective, and they're not the only reason why the leagues have sort of declined in interest and viewership over the last couple of years. Again, it's an ecosystem; it's as much about them as it is about the product that they're showing the people who are involved on that side of things as well. But in exactly the same way, you know, you look at the way that, for example, Fox Sports has been treating the AFLW, which has just mm-hmm. kicked off. One of the interesting things that uh, a friend of mine, Anna Harrington, said on our recent podcast episode on the Far Post was that when she was at the pub watching the W League and Tuba Guy popped up, on the television next to that was the AFLW. It was beautiful. It was in high definition. They had expert commentators. They had multiple cameras. Everything that we want for the W League is being given to other sports. And, again, you know, citing this netball partnership, like they're capable of doing it, but they're just, they're just choosing not to. And I think that's sort of the crux of the issue. We need to try and figure out and negotiate with either Fox Sports or with a future broadcaster why why that's the case, what it is about football that is making them not want to invest as much money because they perhaps have lost faith that it can grow their own business. Like what is it? What is the sort of the, the, the answer to the golden question? Um, because I think any clubs who are wanting to enter into negotiations with other broadcasters needs that answer so that in the future they can avoid making the same mistakes. Mm. Stolich, what was your reaction to it all when you saw it unfold? Well, I was actually out for dinner and someone sent me a text saying, oh, my God, it's happened again, and I didn't know what. And then they sent me a screenshot of Tuba Man. I still didn't know what had happened. I would say to Tuba Man, uh, thank God that he didn't have something worse behind him uh, <laughs> like some young people might have on their table at home. Just a Tuba, that was all fine. But, yeah, I mean, the thing is, and I think many people brought this up, if this happened just once, if this happened, this was the first time it happened all season, I would just be like, ah, oh, it's funny. Sometimes weird things happen in broadcasts. Sometimes Someone hits the wrong button, whatever. I wouldn't be too critical, but this is the third time it's happened in four weeks or something like this. So mm-hmm. it starts to get ridiculous. And, you know, we also had the issue in the A-League when they uh, lost the goal. Wellington's goal was never seen or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these are these are common issues. And, you know, I, I sympathise with, you know, having worked at Fox Sports previously and having worked at a broadcaster now is very difficult. It involves a lot of people to put on a production and, and a lot of things need to go right. It's not as easy as just get a camera pointed and press record. Uh, so, But, you know, there are minimum standards that need to be met. And I think that the W League and A League should have it in their contracts when they sell it to broadcasters. You have to meet these minimum standards. Otherwise, you're devaluing your own product. And that mm-hmm. that's kind of the biggest thing. There's oftentimes when I, you know, flick on a sport that I'm not particularly interested in. But, the you know, I'll say like the NFL, for example, right? The NFL, I don't really understand the sport. I don't really care for it. But the production values are incredible. The way they've incredible. got every angle, the commentators, they're highlighting the plays in real time. So actually it makes me a little bit more interested. I'll, I'll kind of stay watching for a little bit longer. It's the vice versa. When you see 
even Barcelona, you know, playing with a shitty camera at some crappy stadium, you know, in the Copa del Rey, it doesn't look as good. It doesn't feel as good. You don't feel like you're watching an amazing team. You don't feel like you're watching the the top of, of, of a sport. So I think that's a problem. One thing I'd say for Fox is, you know, they're getting hammered on social media right now, and, and I think justifiably so, and that happens. But also you can turn it around from their perspective. If I was advising Fox, I would say, listen, guys, invest in the game, invest in it. You will turn the public around. Look what happened with Optus. Optus in 2018, I've never seen a company get as hammered as Optus got in 2018 with the World Cup when they when they couldn't show the games and all that. Two years later, Optus is one of the most popular uh, brands in Australian sport, I think, with, you know, we as football fans have been very happy with the way they've turned their coverage around and all the things they've done. What they did was they invested money. They they bought a lot of the rights up for different sports, but even when it came to things like, you know, the K-League and whatever, they put a full studio around it, they do analysis, they do good, you know, they made sure that everything was working right. So they learned from that mistake and they benefited. Now I think, you know, people are saying even in the comments today that, you know, it should go to Optus. Well, I think Fox Sports should look to do the same. They should look to really revitalize their relationship with the Australian football community because it's a powerful community. As you see, you know, now the government's getting involved in all that. It's a powerful community that I think, and it's a powerful audience that they should be seeking, I think. So I, I think it was very disappointing, but I hope, I really hope that it can it can be a catalyst and it can turn a corner and they look to invest in it both in this season and seasons going on forward. I couldn't agree. I just want to, can I add a, a point to that? Because that, yep, I absolutely agree, Nick. And But the thing I think that a lot of people are forgetting when it comes to the W League specifically is that when it comes to broadcasting, it's not just a thing for fans. There are clubs all over the world who use W League broadcast feeds to scout players. And there are so mm. many semi-professional Australian players in the W League whose livelihoods rely on their ability to be visible to others. So, like, setting aside the whole paywall thing, which is its own problem when it comes to exposure and visibility in women's sport, the fact that we have games that are filmed on a single camera, which is basically a potato. It's appalling. Like, it's appalling. From the centre of the field, there are no replays. There, there are hardly any, like, close-ups or zooms of these players who are doing fantastic things. That's actually affecting their ability to work in football in the future. You know, and this is what's it's really, really frustrating because the W League is the one that's being disproportionately affected by these decisions from Fox. Like the A League is not like even though it has had its own problems and it's obviously the quality of its broadcasting has dropped. There aren't as many cameras. You know, Mark Rudin spoke recently about how it's mm -hmm. affecting VAR, all that sort of stuff. That's that's its own thing. But at least the A-League isn't being shunted to bar TV. At least the A-League isn't being shunted to a single camera in the middle of a field in a suburban stadium and expecting its audiences to be okay with that. So that's what's so... It's really disappointing from a W-League perspective. And it's, I think, beyond that, we sort of almost have a time limit on us as well because we're hosting the Women's World Cup in two and a half years. And this is the league that the world is looking at. This is the league that we're using to advertise ourselves as a country, our leagues, our players, and we're advertising ourselves to FIFA. We're, this is how we're telling FIFA, this is how we're going to treat your product when it comes here in two and a half years' time. And to be honest, based on what's happened this season, I don't think FIFA are going to be particularly impressed. I just think, um, you know, the, the one positive that I can take out of all of this, if you could glean any positivity out of it before we move on to our W League wrap, is the fact that this is a talking point. The fact that this hasn't just affected a minority of core W League, you know, football supporters, 
This has affected everyone now, and it is in the headlines. It's drawn the attention now of Senators. Sarah Hansen-Young came out and said, you know, we can't have them doing a half-assed job anymore, and we have to investigate why they've been given this money if they're not going to invest it appropriately. That's what this $40 million was given to them for, not just for the W League, but to broadcast these women's and niche sports, to call them niche sports, um, because they were going to give them the attention that they deserved. They're not being given that love, and, you know, it's difficult because we're also here at SBS, we're a broadcaster. We know we've been through our own criticisms in the years gone by when we didn't have the full catalogue of, of World Cup offerings. That, of course, all changed thanks to the gods. Um, and, and, and you know, no no thanks, of course, also to Optus's failings in that respect. But no one wants to see that happen. No one wants to be in these situations where we're talking about a fellow broadcaster going through this because we know how difficult it is, particularly in times like COVID-19. But I'm glad that we're all having this conversation. I'm glad that we've reached a point now where we can continue to discuss this because it's no longer good enough to treat the women's game this way. And I think that's the most, um, that's the most uplifting thing that's come out of all of this. But watch this space. It continues to be a story that evolves. But I want to move on to the next uh, topic of conversation. This is where, if you're not already, you're already the star of the show, Sam, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on the W League wrap, of course, the victory of silence to Adelaide in that game that we just spoke about. City suffered a late Brisbane blow. Heyman, she is on fire. My gosh, we had her on the show a few weeks ago. She's such a delight, and I'm so glad to see her doing so damn well for Canberra United. Sydney FC are just unstoppable at the moment. They've made it four from four, but what were the major talking points aside from what we've just discussed, Sam? Yeah, aside from that, I'm like I'm glad that we're actually talking about the football because, like we said, this league is actually really exciting and this season is really exciting. There have been some absolutely extraordinary goals, some ridiculous games. You know, two of the three game, two of the four games rather in the last round were amazing: the Melbourne Victory Adelaide game and the Brisbane Raw Melbourne City game. You know, those are the, the traditionally those, uh, particularly the, the City Brisbane game has always been a cracker. But this one was like it had sort of everything you could want. It had penalties. It had last sort of last clutch goals. It had just you know, superstars absolutely, you know, killing it on the field. It was really, really great. Um, and obviously, uh, yeah, I can't. I just wanted to reflect on the fact that Michelle Heyman is just destroying things at the moment. She is, I think, the the player who is most in form. And the whole story around her and around Canberra United and their return mm-hmm. to the summit of the W League is just so wonderful as a W League fan. Um, but in terms of my sort of reflections on the first half of the season, if we can call it that, even though some teams have played technically their allotted six of the 12 games while others have only played three or four, um, I feel like the latter is starting to shake out largely in the way we expected. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, Lucy, you asked me who my dark horse would be. And one of those teams I said was Adelaide. Adelaide, and Adelaide United are now in fourth. And I think yeah. they've been playing some excellent football. They lost very marginally against Melbourne Victory 1-0. But their performances this season have been really exciting. Exciting. Really exciting. They've got a couple of really exciting young players who are emerging through in national team conversations mm-hmm. as well. Charlotte Grant, for example, a really lively fullback who reminds me so much of Ellie Carpenter. Uh, we've got <laughs> Emily, Emily Condon in midfield who's been absolutely yeah. killing it in terms of creating opportunities and passes in the final third. We've got Cote Rojas, right, World Cup sort of um, wow. veteran from Chile. Like we've actually got some superstars in this league despite the fact that all of our familiar names have gone. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of people were sort of worried that the W League would become really boring because we would see these young players all of a sudden sort of stepping up to take over from your Sam Kerrs and your Caitlin Fords and whatever. But these young players are actually really good. I think a lot of people didn't anticipate how good some of these players would be. But now they're being given the opportunity and they're stepping up and they're going, you know what? 
I'm actually going to like have a crack. I'm going to give this my all and show everybody what, what they've been missing out on by me sitting on the bench. And now we're seeing a whole bunch of young players make a name for themselves, which is exactly what we want. You know, this is exactly the season that the W League needed to have. It was going to happen eventually because the women's game, the trajectory of the women's game was heading in this direction. So this was a season that was going to come eventually. And I feel like now is almost the perfect time for that to happen because the whole game is going through this really huge moment of transition. And it's being led by this sort of Australia-focused youth development sort of thing in the W League and in the A League. So I feel like everything is, like, weirdly, there are a whole lot of silver linings to what has been a pretty shitty start to uh, to the whole year. I have to ask you from a biased place before I throw over to Stolich for one more question before we say goodbye to you, Sam, and welcome another Sam shortly. Um, but I'm, I'm asking you this because I'm a Canberra girl. How much emphasis are you putting on their kind of run at the moment uh could you consider them to be contenders at this early stage and I know that they only will be too because of just how damn good Michelle Heyman has been for them yeah I I, I fully anticipate Canberra making finals this season it'll be the first time in three years that they've done mm -hmm. so and a large mm -hmm. part of that is Michelle Heyman but I think an, a, a lot of like that whole team across the whole park I think is looking really balanced they've got a really um a really convincing sort of central spine to their team. You know, it's spearheaded by Heyman, but it's also their midfield is really experienced. You've got someone like Grace Maher in there pulling the strings. Laura Hughes, who's another Canberra Academy product, who's been there for a really long time, has absolutely been killing it as a sort of defensive midfielder. And then sort of further back in the field, you've got someone like Kendall Fletcher, who has returned to Canberra mm -hmm. after a couple of years abroad. So that whole sort of experienced spine to that to that team, I think, is is really paying dividends in the sense that they do have a lot of younger players who are sort of in and around the periphery there. But they're sort of able to step in and do the kinds of jobs that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to in seasons past because they hadn't had the opportunity. So I mm -hmm. absolutely expect Canberra to do well. And I... I'm personally really invested in Canberra doing well, not just because of the history that Canberra have, but because they still remain the only standalone women's football club in the country. And mm -hmm. now I wrote about this uh, for a piece with ABC that's going to come out soon. They're the only club, the first and only club in professional football in Australia to have an all-female coaching staff. So that's from oh, the head really? coach, assistant coach, goalkeeper coach, everyone on the technical bench is a woman. And that's uh, that's just extraordinary and it speaks so highly of the, the kind of culture and environment that Canberra have been building and have mm -hmm. been known to be building for their entire existence over the last 13 years, but also for their, their future vision for the club. You know, just because they're not affiliated with an A-League side doesn't they mean doesn't mean they can't be successful and it doesn't mean that they can't try and break new ground and push the dial in the game in new ways. So, yeah, I'm super excited to see what happens with Canberra. Good. Love to hear it. Stolich, final question for Sam before we say goodbye. Yeah, Sam, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Sydney FC. Four wins from four, top of the table, nine goals scored, one goal against, killing it. What are they doing that is making them kind of stand out from the pack? Similar to uh, Canberra United, I think, they have a, a couple of really experienced players who are able to sort of usher in this next generation. So you've got someone like Teresa Polias, who only a couple of weeks ago became the first W League player to hit 150 games, which is Dude. extraordinary if you think about the fact that the W League is only 12 yeah. to 14 rounds long. Yeah. Uh, you've also got someone like Ellie Brush, who's been in and around the traps for a really long time. Um, she also happens to be the highest scoring defender in W League history, which <laughs> And a good podcast guest on uh, the fantastic, Post. a fantastic <laughs> podcast guest. Yes, a celebration queen. Shout out to Ellie Brush. Yeah. 
Um, but the thing that I really love about Sydney is that they have all of these young players who have actually been involved in the club for a really long time. So a player like Taylor Ray, for example, who's only 20 years old, she's been at Sydney FC for uh, four or five years. Princess Abini, she's only 19, 20. She's been there since 2014, 2015. So these players are all really familiar with each other already. A lot of them play on youth national teams together as well. They also play together at MPL level. So I think the way that the club have gone about their recruitment has been really clever because they've maintained all of these different pockets of chemistry that have been built up over the last couple of seasons. And I wrote about this for The Guardian this week for my column where it is the teams that have maintained a sort of consistency over the last couple of years that we're starting to see sort of filter to the top of the table because in a season as chaotic and as fast-paced and as sort of fluctuating as this one, you want to make sure you have as much consistency and stability with your players as, as you can. So that's where I think Sydney have been really clever. They've brought in a couple of players to complement what they already have, but it's that it's the actual core of younger emerging players in and around more experienced ones that I think are really standing them in good stead heading into the second half. Oh, so well said, Sammy. And coming up on your fixture list for the W League in the next few days, you've got Melbourne City taking on Sydney tomorrow. Then Western Sydney are at home to Adelaide United. Then you've got Melbourne Victory taking on Newcastle Jets before Sydney take on Canberra United. Still so much more to talk about when it comes to the W League. It's always such a delight to catch up with you, Samantha Lewis. You come back here any bloody time you'd like. We love your company and all the work that you're doing to advocate for the women's game and beyond. Keep it up, my friend. Thanks so much. And everyone, please tune into the W League because if you don't enjoy the game, at least you might see another cock up and that can be as its own sort of hey. story. Hey, just like this. <laughs> oh, this poor guy, this poor guy who's reached this level of infamy by no fault of his own. Oh, I wish him all the best, whoever he is. Sam Lewis, same to you. Take care. We'll catch up with you again soon. See ya. Yes, yeah, great to have the company of Sam Lewis there. That poor guy, as I said there, he's just, you know, walking around, minding his own business in his room, doing his work, and before you yeah. know it, he's, he's soccer Twitter famous. I was thinking he's doing the Friday night shift, and I've done plenty of Friday night shifts in my time. He's just there at home, probably wants to get on the tuba, start playing, and he's like, you know, just getting probably on like, I don't know, 25 an hour or something, some casual contract, and then bang, all over the world people are making fun of him. So I, I just say, you know, he was looking all right. That was the main thing. You know, I mean, sometimes if I'm working from home, the shirt's off, the house is a mess. He was you know. lucky he wasn't doing anything else yeah. untoward. There weren't any other untoward things exactly. going on in the background. I mean, we've always been taught in broadcast, whenever there is a camera around or a microphone on, you need to be on your best behaviour. Seven years later, almost eight, I still haven't learned that fact. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome our next special guest. He's a real delight to catch up with them. We're really pleased that he could join us here on the show today. It's MacArthur FC Director Sam Kurslovich. Sam, how are you, my friend? It's been, you know, such a long time coming to get to here, but MacArthur are finally up and running. The season is underway. Thank God, because we've been waiting for it. How are things going from your perspective now that you're right in the thick of things? Well, look, from the club, I mean, on the field perspective, I think we've shown we're very competitive, which is something we always thought we would be. I think um, Martin, the coaching staff and the players have done a great job. Uh, we've been competitive in every game thus far, and I think we're providing a lot of entertainment as well. Uh, we had a question coming in from Vince Pell prior to the show via Twitter. He said, is Sam happy at this point of the season with how the club is or isn't progressing off-field? Off-field. Look, I think the best way to answer that is you're never happy with how you're progressing because um, 
uh, you know, you, you always have high expectations and high high standards for yourself, and you always want to do better than what you're doing at the moment. But in saying that, people have to be reasonable, understand. We've come in the, in the most inopportune time in history, besides the Spanish influenza 100 years ago. Um, COVID has, has had a big effect on terms of revenue streams, on terms of um, people allowed into games, uh, how you interact with people, what activations you can do, what sort of um, visits you can do with the general community. So, you know, it's, it's been a very, very, very difficult road on that aspect. It has been a challenging period for you, and a lot of it has been generated. I mean, look, I heard a great saying the other day that social media is for haters and for pornography, um, and I tend to agree because that's all it can sometimes be good for. Um, but Also this guy. And <laughs> I still find it funny. I'm so sorry. Um, but the reality is that there has been a lot of talk that has been generated on social media about ticket prices, about the situation that occurred with Sydney FC last week. I know that you did a story with one of our journalists, Dave Lewis, in which you said that all of that could have been avoided had things been handled differently from Sydney FC's side of things. Could you just kind of give us some more clarity and for those that perhaps don't know the ins and outs of it, Sam, how you arrived to that situation with Sydney FC and why you feel ticket prices have perhaps been misinterpreted by the wider community? Okay. Let's let's look at the Sydney FC game so it's in isolation, okay? Clearly, that exchange between me and Danny was you know, was you know, was more. You know, I get a really on well with Danny, and it was more and he's trying to hype up the game, if you want for a better word. The issue we had with the weekend is we were we were capped at twenty five percent capacity, seated capacity, which uh, and one per four square meter rule in the hills. So what that means is obviously, but the, the, the security costs and the running costs of that game was almost double of every other game we played at home being Wellington and Citrus Coast. So then it became a financial model just to make sure that the club didn't, uh, didn't have a negative financial impact, okay? What people need to realize in this current environment, every single club in the A-League is at best breaking even on, on games and at worst, losing losing a, a good chunk of money on games. Um, we need to be thankful of the fact that we're the only league in the whole world that actually has spectators, has the ability to have spectators. Um, the, the the clubs themselves are under a lot of financial pressure to deliver the product, and on top of all that, they've got uh, revenue streams which have gone south because of COVID. That is fact and reality. And at the end of the day, we just have to try to put on a game uh, with financial responsibility to our club. Mm. Stolich, over to you. Some more questions for Sam. Yeah, Sam, we had another question uh, come in from Twitter. This guy, Paletti Steven, he asks for Sam Krizlovich, why are the prices so high for Sydney FC fans last weekend? And why does a game against the Wanderers have lower ticket prices all around, despite also being a game against another Sydney team? <laughs> I'll answer that question. Aren't Sydney the bling? Nah, listen, with all due respect, it's very simple. We were capped at 25% for the Sydney game. Uh, the Wanderers game is a 50% cap. So you're expecting you have the ability to get twice as many people in. So that that feeds into into the cost and um, into revenue, which feeds into a lower cost for, for the spectator. There's, there's no rocket science. That's the only reason. If, if the Sydney game was played this week or the week later, we'd have exactly the same scenario. It was unfortunate for us that it was played on the 30th 
30th of January, and the New South Wales Health order expired at midnight on the on the 1st of February. That was it. We actually tried to get the game moved to the Monday because it would have been the 1st of Feb, so it would have had a whole different scenario. But unfortunately, with, you know, obviously broadcasting requirements, uh, we, we had to go for what we, what we were told we had to go with. Do you feel that when it comes to the ticket prices, I mean, I asked you earlier, but it'd be good to get you directly to answer it. Do you feel as though the club have been kind of put in an unfair comparison with respect to other A-League clubs when it comes to ticket prices and that you've been singled out a little bit? I think we have to a certain degree. What people need to realise, again, every ground has a different configuration. Every ground has a different viewing experience. Every ground has a, has a different ability to package uh, certain sections a certain way. Like, uh, you know, some grounds are ovals, okay? So some grounds have more hills. Some grounds have limited seating like us. Now, at the end of the day, Lucy, we can only sell, we can only sell 10,000, excluding our, our season tickets, which including that 10,000, 10,000 tickets to the general public, which are seated. That's reality. That's the ground we've got. You know, I, I, I envy being in a position... Like Bankwest, I wish we had a ground like Bankwest. Mm. Um, some more questions coming through from uh, a group called the MacArthur Supporters via Facebook. The club hasn't even reached their COVID capacity, let alone their actual capacity. The demand argument is unacceptable and oh, dis- that, that is total rubbish. I know who's behind that. This person has been uh, continually spreading false rumors. We we reached capacity for COVID last week, one million and fifty-five percent. We also reached it for the for the um, for the Central Coast game, for the Wellington game, we didn't, but that was because there was only a twenty percent take up of our season ticket holders, because that was the first week of masks coming in, the hysteria around the COVID cluster in in, in Narrabeen. So let's not let's stick to the truth and not people trying to portray false information. No, I think it's great that you've been able to come on to clarify a lot of it. But, um, you know, from I guess from the fans' perspective, I think that a lot of them have been frustrated because they've seen the ticket prices, they've taken that on face value, particularly during a pandemic, and they haven't had the benefit of clarity around it. Colin Mott, why is the lifeblood of this game active support prices so high considering where they sit? The answer for that is very simple because <laughs> the security requirements around the active support that have been, uh, that have been mandated dictate cost. That's simple as that. I think people need to realise that. Um, this is not something... Whatever... We as a club have to adhere to the rules and regulations and demand that they come from up above, beyond us. And that, that includes, you know, the police have a big say in how much use of police are there. The police have a big say in how many security guards get deployed in each game. This is no different to any other uh, club. Wanderers and Sydney FC will tell you exactly the same thing. So obviously, with the Sydney with the Sydney games and increased active supporters at the game, the security requirements and costs skyrocket, and we have no say in that. So that, that's why when you say tickets are too high, the Sydney game is a once-off. There was 171 tickets made available to the away active support, and all 171 were sold. Okay, that's reality. So to 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 single out for for one game. During a COVID pandemic, with a 25% capacity, with a Sydney derby, and say, "Oh, that is the norm," is ridiculous, and it's actually not true. So I get a bit annoyed when people try to use that as saying it's the norm. It's all, oh, this is what they're doing. Because this week, I mean, if you look at the ticket prices, I think with the away fans, they're $38, and if they're a, if they're an actual member of the Wanderers, they get a 10% discount. So it's 
less than it's thirty-four dollars, right? Roughly thirty-four dollars twenty cents. Which the other thing that people need to realise with the stadium deals that are in place, that the stadiums have deals with Ticketect or, or Ticketmaster. There's only two people you can go with. There's an inside charge to the ticket cost, which the club doesn't get, has no say on. So, for example, uh, for example, our club, on a $35 ticket, we lose $6 from the face value. We only net $29. So, depending on the ticket price, we, we, we lose 14 to 20, 27% of the actual ticket price. So, we, each club in Australia, I think, won't be different because it's a monopoly, if you want for a better word, with a ticket tech and ticket master. Uh, takes the brunt for high ticket prices, but it's not all entirely their fault. Mm. Stolich, over to you. Yeah, Sam, uh, I sympathise with you when it comes to the security costs because I think it is ridiculous, uh, the amount of security needed at A-leg games. I myself have been there and it's sometimes ridiculous how many security guards, police officers you see and you think this is, you know, it's a football game. Let's just all relax and it, that would cost a lot of money. One of the questions I wanted to ask though was prior to the season, the cost for active support was $440 for the season ticket. Then it got dropped down to $335. Why the reason for that drop and why was that, you know, initially at least, more expensive than what Wanderers Active Support is and more expensive than what Sydney FC Active Support is? Nick, it's simple. We made a mistake. I put my hand up. I've been on the record to say that. And we revised it going forward. Still revised it in time before the season started. You know, I heard some arguments. Oh, you know, you moved the book. Yeah, we moved the book there because the police told us you have to move it. Hmm. Not because I wanted to move it. There's no, you know, it's ridiculous to think that any person at any club will want an added extra, extra headache of moving location for no reason. Mm. We, were, we were instructed by the police that they want to move to that area. That was simple as that. We had no Can say. We just followed what we were told to do. Can I ask, how does it work with, you know, the kind of negotiations when it comes to the police? Because I think this is not just a problem for your club. It's a problem that we've seen at every club in the A-League. How much can you push back? How much can you say, no, no, this is how we, our fans need to be here or, or whatever? Is, is it just you cannot push back at all and the police... You push back in a certain degree, but, you know, like, I mean, you know, they have their views and, uh, you know, and fortunately in our society that we have a good police force and uh, their views at the end override everything. You can have a discussion, but if, if you don't agree, this, you know, let's face it, it's not going to go your way. Yeah. Um, Sam, what's your relationship like now with the bullpen and the active support? I mean, you know, we've seen some rumblings. I know that the MacArthur supporters page seems to be very frustrated by things uh, and, you know, that's also occurring on, on Twitter as well about your relationship with them. But what is it actually like at this point in time? With the bullpen, oh, it's, a great, it's a great relationship. I mean, we have regular meetings with them. We had a meeting last week with them. Um, you know, we, we provide... You know, obviously, products to merchandise to to help them. You know, raise money for their own initiatives, sign jersey balls, whatever, whatever. You know, reasonable. We can accommodate. We accommodate. Mm. So, why do you think there's this core section of fans that seem to be quite upset? No, it's not a core section. It's a handful of few led by one person who has a vested uh, agenda, and and it's a long story, loose. But it's, you know, I don't want to bore people with it. But we're going to be held hostage by one person, and he's and his um, delusional views, well, then we shouldn't even be involved in the game. Mm. 
Let's talk about football. I think we can all agree before we say goodbye to you that it's nice to clear up those things and move on to the actual football that we've seen. And and like you said earlier, some of the on-field exploits have been fantastic. I think Ante Milicic is doing a great job as coach. You've brought in some young players. I'm so excited by the youngster, Liam Rose. And there still seems to be so much more that this MacArthur team can achieve. But how are you assessing things and, and where do you feel there need to be some improvements made from your perspective? I mean, you say improvements, it's, it's hard loose. We've got 23 players that have never kicked the ball together. So there's always cohesion. There's always going to be uh, a gelling factor and, um, you know, it will take time. to, to But, you know, look, look at the positives, you know. I, th- I think we're underestimated what it's like to have a player like Pinyat in the A-League. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sort of play that, oh. that, that, that guy is. You know, we, we, we've got Matty Darbish here, you know, and uh, I mean, the biggest one for me is Adam Federici. Huge. Only, Love him. Not only is Adam the best goalkeeper in the A-League at the moment, uh, I, I, I can't think of anyone who's been better in the history of the A-League. Now, you know, like we've had a lot <laughs> a of... Huge call. Big call. What about Clint Wilson? What about Clint Wilson? I must say, I love Clint Bolton, but I think Adam's a bit better. But anyway, everyone's got their own opinion. But to, to have a guy with... You know, who's a great role model in terms of Adam. You know, went overseas at, at 16, virtually, you know, camped to get a contract and then coming in the A-League and playing and playing like he has been playing is phenomenal. So there's a lot, a lot of good – and we're not the only club. You know, I mentioned this before. I mean, me, Mark Rudin and Western United, I mean, Sanchez is a phenomenal player mm-hmm. as well to come to the A-League. Um, the, you know, the, the Adelaide – uh, Adelaide have got their right fullback. His name escapes me at the moment. He's also a very, very good player. Um, so in terms of the standard of the A-League, I think the type of foreigners we've got in this year as a whole is a lot better than it's been for a, for, for a long, long time, you know? So the league the, the league is a good, exciting league. And the biggest thing I think we underestimate, we're the only league in the world that can have crowds. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it's like as a viewer experience? I mean, I've been, I watch a lot of football. I'm struggling to watch the EPL. I'm struggling to watch Serie A, even though yeah. I love Serie A. Phone to watch because there's no spectators. Here we're, we're almost uh, spoiled for for the atmosphere, and we're trying to find reasons of why it why is, isn't good. Mm. Stolich, final question for Sam before we say goodbye. Yeah, Sam, I wanted to ask you two questions, if I may, Lucy, just the one. How is the uh, the store that you guys have set up out there? I believe there was a it opened a few days ago or last week. Looked really good from the pictures I saw. And how's that going? And and how how do you yeah. think that will kind of expand going forward? And two, uh, what I wanted to know the cowbell. It's been controversial. Some people <laughs> love it. Some people hate it. I think the you know fans who aren't fans of other teams hate it. I think MacArthur fans seem to really like it. What has been the feedback on the cowbell? Are you enjoying it yourself personally? Uh, you know, yeah, your thoughts on the cowboy and the, and the store. Okay, let, let, let's go to the, the store. No, the store's been, been good as a long time coming. We had a few logistical problems in, in terms of, you know, the compliance and all that, but I think it's been great. I mean, uh, people come in there and, and we'll have a lot of other activities come online around, you know, skills training, parties and whatever you can do there. You know, uh, um, obviously E-League and st- stuff like that, we can do it. I mean, we've got a little... Section which is a press conference where Ante does his press conference live in the store every um every week he'll be, he'll be doing that so it's more of a viewer experience and um you know obviously everyone that's come in really likes it and uh, the merchandise is is going good at the moment in relation to the cowbell 
Okay, the, the I think I think if you're a McCarthy fan, you like it, and if you're not, it annoys you, and that's yeah. the whole point of it. Right. The point <laughs> is, you're coming to our house, yeah. well, we're going to annoy you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Although at the moment, you know, we, I think you know, I think we need some more practice how to use them. But um, look, it's, it's just a something that's a that's a gimmick, you know. They had the Vavizalas and and all this sort of stuff, and we thought, you know, it'd be a good idea for something that represents. Yeah, it's a, to do with the pool and the cowbell and, and so forth. Sam, thank you so much for being generous with your time today and coming on and clearing up a few really difficult conversation points. I know it's certainly been doing the rounds, as I said, on social media for a while now, but it's been great that you've been able to offer your insights, clear a few things up, and now we can hopefully start to talk about the football once again. Thank you very much, Luce, Nick. Thanks. Wish you guys all the very best. Take care. Yes, our big thanks to Sam Kurslovich there. Um, a lot of hard questions for Sam to answer there as well. We know that um, obviously, like I just mentioned there, um, they've been kind of dominating the headlines and the discussion points across soccer Twitter. But did you feel he, he clarified some of those things for you adequately there, Stolich, or have you still got a few more questions? I mean, I mean, I like that he admitted that it was a mistake. How much they charged uh, them yeah. in the first place. I, I, you know, I think that's good of him. I wish more, I had more people in Australian football would admit when they make a mistake because uh, it shows me that they're willing to learn. So hopefully uh, that's what they'll do going forward. Um, you know, as to why the Sydney FC game is so expensive, he has given his reason. Uh, it's hard to tell without being in there to know, you know, what is exactly how much everything costs and where you could move the prices and all that kind of stuff. You know, but I do sympathise with him that, yeah, they've had COVID Security costs in Australia are stupidly ridiculous. It's like every fan, you need to have a security guard or something. I don't know when we got to get over that. That's for sure. So I would be interested to see. That's why I kind of wanted to ask about pushing back on the police and what the consequences are if you just say no. We're gonna we're gonna do it this way. This is this is yeah. why do we need so many security costs? But anyway, so I do sympathise uh, with him for that, and it's good to hear that uh, some of the good things are going well. Mm, I am. Um, I really liked this comment from Ivan Stragan. Well, it's actually Ange Postacoglu's comment, but I'm glad that he brought it up. He said, Ange described Australian football to perfection on Shim Spider and so much more. There's no present, there's no future, there's just the past repeating itself. I'm not sure that this has that much relevance with respect to the conversation we're having about Sam Kurosovic and MacArthur, but I feel like it's very true in Australian football. And I think that when we do make mistakes, people aren't prepared necessarily to say that they were mistakes. That's why I respected the fact that Sam said, look, we made a mistake. I put my hand up and I said you know what we didn't do right there and they are also a new football club I think where things have kind of gotten a bit stuck in the mud for me from my observations have been their relationship with the supporter group with the active supporters and that's why I asked that question about what their relationship was like because you can see I know that we've had some comments coming through particularly from this MacArthur's supporter group um, both on Facebook and on Twitter uh, what appears to be a very fractured relationship which um, doesn't really bode well for them and I think going forward it would be better if they could all act collectively as a group in the best interests of the club, Stolich. And that's always the hard thing. I mean, he's saying it's just, you know, a small handful of individuals and it might be. It's hard to tell with kind of social media accounts how how many people they actually represent, you know. So I don't know. It's not a great sign early on for the to be fractures already. I mean, you know, they've, they've only got a handful of fans so far. We hope they grow that. But for already there to be infighting is a, is a issue for the club and for the league. 
No, it happens in football clubs and it's happened yeah. at football clubs with within the A-League. It's happened at Melbourne Victory. It's happened at Western yeah. Sydney Wanderers. There are small fractions of groups that although you're all supporting the same football club, you're not necessarily supporting each other in the way that you support that football club. Mm. So, But you're right. It's not good to have early signs of drama or any fractures, um, but I think we can all agree that it is nice to be talking about the football. When it comes to ticket prices, we're always going to be complaining about them because, you know, we, we know that they are too high in this country. But to have that insight from Sam where he he did point to the fact that, well, Ticket Tech, they set these prices and we lose X amount of dollars on each ticket. So it's mm. nice to have this insight from club representatives to come on and actually clarify things for us because from the outside looking in, it always seems as though the clubs are just looking to gouge people. Um, yeah. But clubs themselves are often being gouged. And in a COVID-19 landscape, I think that we can all agree that everyone's pockets are being gouged. So, yes, um, very good to have him on. But I know that I'd, there'll be a lot of fans out there who won't feel as though their, uh, their questions were really answered in that respect. Let's wrap things up as we look to close the show and quickly dive into a bit of Premier League talk. Liverpool finally returned to form. Southampton got absolutely spanked this morning. And I mean, not just spanked, they got their pants pulled down. They got belted repeatedly in front of everyone, in front of all and sundry. United now a joint top with Manchester City. Matty Ryan, how sad is this? He missed his opportunity, missed his chance due to injury when Bernard Leno came off. Um, and he's pulled up with a bit of a hip problem as well, Stolich, and that's not necessarily boding well because next week and next game could have actually been his opportunity. So I'm not sure how quickly he'll recover from that injury. But what caught your eye from what we've seen so far in the Prem? Well, first thing that caught my eye was Mohamed Salah's control for that wonderful counter-attacking goal for Liverpool. Uh -huh. I mean, the whole goal is beautiful. Alexander-Arnold's ball across, Shakiri's cross. But the way that Mohamed Salah doesn't, it, it looks like he's just going for a light run at the shops. He takes it down with one foot without breaking stride, without any stop of his momentum. He just takes it with the other foot. A beautiful, beautiful goal. It was, it was. you know, I, I'm not a Liverpool fan like you, but I'm a fan of those type of goals. I don't care who saw, scores them. If I see a moment of beauty like that, I'm standing on my feet just clapping. So it was fantastic. Uh, obviously, Southampton getting beat 9-0. Uh, Listen, it, it's better. It's definitely better to lose one game 9-0 than nine games 1-0. But now you've lost two what? games 9-0. And now it's starting <laughs> to be a bit... Ooh. I think uh, you can't lose any games 9-0. I'd rather lose nine games consecutively 1-0 no, than no, a 9-0 no. loss in a single game. That's no, shameful. A scoreline like that belongs in the championship in the third division, not in the Premier League. Is there other kids down the road playing a Kelly Pulse that aren't even tracking that kind of a scoreline here in the Hills Shire District, okay? So spare me the grief of no. that. No way. Can't I disagree. In the Premier League. No chance, no way in hell. Right. But I think, you know, you look at the like, – they lost – I can't believe I'm talking about a team that lost twice 9-0 in the Premier League. But <laughs> they lost to Leicester. They did bounce back. They, You know, Hassan Hulto pr proved a bit of recovery. They've got a lot of injuries at the moment, Southampton, especially defensively. You know, Kyle Walker-Peters is out. Uh, Vestergaard is out. Um, Oriol Romeo is out. There's some crucial, crucial players. There's not a lot of depth there. And I will say from an Australian perspective, Caleb Watts, who just made his debut for Southampton, was, had nothing to do with this. He wasn't on the pitch at all. So that's good for us because that would have been pretty damaging. You know, you come on second ever game, boom, cop a 9-0. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, Southampton. I think they'll eventually they'll bounce back when they get all their players back. I love that comment from A-League Memes. So you are you are funny when you want to be. Poor Matty, but hips don't lie. I hope that his injury... Happy birthday, Shakira, yesterday. <laughs> Happy 
happy birthday, Shakira, yesterday. Of course, married to Piquet, so wonderful for them, really. They share the same birthday, don't they? Yes, and uh, Shakira's got a new song out at the moment called Girl Like Me, and, yes, we're all looking for a girl like you, Shakira. You're hip. <laughs> you can't believe that we've actually gotten song. to the point where we're talking about Shakira on a football podcast. That's outrageous to me. Um, but uh, one thing I will have to mention also is the Spurs. Just quickly, Spurs, is Mourinho in trouble? Do we have any Spurs fans tuning in? I'd love to hear from you guys uh, because the one beacon of knowledge when it came to Spurs used to be Stuart Randall. I mean, he still is, but he no longer works at SBS. He's over at ESPN, bless his soul. Um, would have him back tomorrow if we could. We miss our Stu. Loved him. Great guy for the SBS family. But I'd love to know, guys, any Spurs fans out there, seriously what is going on do you still want Mourinho there at the helm or are you happy to see the back of him Stolich as an unaffected person would you recommend he stay or go uh if they're making another season of that documentary I recommend he stays for the entertainment love factor it. love that doco on Amazon yeah. fantastic but I honestly believe and I have huge respect for Mourinho as a coach you know what he achieved you know in the mid-2000s was fantastic with Porto with Chelsea with Inter I mean, I hate him because of what Inter did to Barca and what he did to Tito Villanova when he poked him in the eye. I hate him, but, you know, in a way I find him a charming villain. But when it comes to football, just pure football, and I look at it with a cold heart, I see a guy who hasn't kept up with the times. I see a guy whose football is a little bit left in the past. You know, he's still very, very good. He's still one of – listen, let's not get confused. He's still one of the top, you know, 15, 20 managers in the world. I just see, you know, I saw, I've, yeah. I've, and I asked this question many years ago, actually. I no. did uh, probably when we still had the Premier League. So we are going back a few years now, maybe three years. And I said, has he just not managed to evolve with the best of them? Has football outgrown yeah. him? And I think it still is true, but I still think he's he has a lot of value to add those stolich. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting what Justin Parker's saying here. He got to go, playing a defensive setup when he's hardly any speed down the back. They're getting caught out in the counter way too often. I think that's a good point. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. Tottenham, they looked really good when Son and Kane were on fire and they were the best duo in world football. And now but Kane did. Yeah, and also, you know, players dip form. So that's always kind of risky when your attacking strategy seems so built on two individual players just connecting. So when that connection breaks down, that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, Tottenham, uh, you know, they're, they're not doing well. And I think they made a mistake when they let go of Pochettino. And you look at they were such a kind of a smart club for so many years and, and they were methodical in how they were building and Pochettino and they were buying the right players and they were building them up and they were selling them on for profit. And now they've got, you know, Mourinho and Bale, and it just feels like they just got excited, saw some big names, and threw all their strategy out the window. And I don't know, I, I think they probably regret it. Mm, very well said. Let's move on. Uh, actually, before we move on, there's a notable mention. We can't dedicate too much time to it, but we're on Messi Watch at the moment, right? And the countdown starts, okay, and purely because we know that he's out of contract at the end of the season. There's more rumblings. Kuman came out and said, I'm hopeful that he stays, but I'm not confident. Of course, there's been reported interest from both Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City. We know you're a Barca apologist. We know that you are Messi's number one fan. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? But the question that I have around it just quickly is, yes, just quickly, is it going to tarnish his legacy if he does leave? For me, no. For me, not at all. Uh, for me, he's the greatest player in history. Uh, one thing I also say, it was revealed this week um, in a newspaper in Spain, front cover, that for a four-year contract, Barca had to pay 555 million euros. And I yeah. say, give him a pay rise. Give, give him more. <laughs> all right? You know, 
listen, if Jeff Bezos is going to have $73 billion or whatever, Messi should have more. Messi and LeBron are the only people I accept as billionaires, basically. So, anyway, I, I saw that and I loved his free kick today. He put uh, Sorry, today, on Monday morning when he put Yedai into the post as well. That's the perfect way to respond, Messi, on the field. You know, people talk about, oh, he earns too much money. Boom, goal. Take that. And maybe Barca can push for the title. He's been scoring goals again. He appears to be happy, but I don't know that that's going to be enough. Aussies abroad, let's move on before we look to wrap up. Nikita Rukovica, he is in absolutely sensational form at the moment. The guy cannot be stopped. James Holland, Joel Kianese and Sam Kerr all on target overseas and Brad Jones starred in the Saudi Super Cup final. Um, fantastic to see how Aussie's actually doing well overseas, but more importantly, to scoring goals. Nikita Rukovica, he's a really interesting one for me. Does he get put back in the frame for Socceroos Stolich from your perspective? I mean, I think so, but when is the Socceroos going to play? This is, <laughs> I just feel like we're never going to play. Rukovic is already pretty old. He's 33. And so they think, okay, do we really put him in? I think they put him in if we're playing this year. I'm worried about we're not going to play for another year or two years. Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's doing fantastic. One thing I'll say is on Rukovica, and I, I don't know what happened when he was at the Wanderers, but the Wanderers for ages when he was there was looking for a striker. They played Santalab up there. I think they played Karen Bullet up there. You know, and, and Santalab did very well, by the way, but it never really felt like they had a proper number nine. But they did have one, but he was playing on the left wing. He was playing on the right wing. And it just seems like finally in, in Maccabi, they've decided to play him as center forward. And it has worked out. And I know a lot of people will be like, ah, oh, it's just the Israeli league, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter. He's outscoring everyone in that league as well. And he's scoring in the Europa League against some big, big teams. So uh, full respect to him. And it just shows some players. You know, some others were like, oh, this guy sucks. This guy, you know, is great. Sometimes it's about the fit. Where do they fit? Some players will look like they suck at a certain club under a certain coach and they go to a different system, a different thing, and it just all works for them. That's what's happened to Nikita Rukovica. Yeah, very good to see Brad Jones. Always been a big fan of Brad Jones. Um, and also fabulous to see one of our keepers doing well. Also, let's move on to wrap up the show with bad news, good news. We love ending on this note because it gives everyone opportunity. Not that we don't give you that opportunity throughout the whole program, but we love to know what's topping your bad news list and what's actually down the bottom. What's down the bottom of your good news? Have you got something to share with us? We'd love to know some positivity so that we can end on this note. Stolich, let's start with you. What's your bad news? I mean, the bad news got to be this guy, you know. <laughs> it just, this guy was clearly a bad news. It was it was very funny. We all had a funny time, but, you know, it wasn't nice. Think for bad news. I think it's good now because of how damn funny it is. Oh, like, oh, <laughs> how much joy it's bringing to our lives. I've never laughed so hard, and I feel sorry for the guy because it's not him that I'm laughing at. It's a situation about how yeah. stupid it is, but... I don't know. That's your bad. It is bad news. You're right. Actually, I'll change my tune. It's terrible. It's actually but, horrible. How in this scenario, a professional game of football, and that's popping up. You know what? One thing I remember the worst thing that that's a mistake, right? The worst thing I ever saw when it comes to Australian football broadcasting was the Olympics in 2008. Australia was playing Argentina. Messi went on this crazy run. I think Zadkovic gave him the chop. They put the ball down. You've got. Di Maria, Messi, and Raquel May standing over this free kick, and you think, oh, my God, who's going to take it? You know, scores nil all. And then Channel 7, the broadcast of the Olympics, cuts to an ad. Oh, oh. One, thing, one thing is you make a mistake. Oh, we pressed the wrong button. The graphic popped up at the wrong time. You actually decided to go to an ad at that point. I'll never forget it. I'll never forgive them for that. But yeah, my, yeah. 
my good news for this week, my good news for this week is definitely, and shout out to uh, Mike Long and everyone who kind of wrote on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. I thought this is finally good. Good news of the week yeah. is that the Pushgrass statue is finally clean for the first time in four years. Thanks, Todd Crew. Yes, very good. Thank you to Mike Long who brought it up six months ago or something on this show in this segment. And this is why it's important to bring it up. You guys, we need to hear from you as well because it helps us. We're here in Sydney. We're not seeing it all. But it was good that that's finally happened. Hopefully they're going to restore it. Hopefully they're going to move it to South Melbourne's home ground. And, you know, hopefully we take a bit more care of, uh, you know, the statues that we have and, and build more of them and, and create more kind of history for the game. Mm. I wish my bad news was as funny as yours, but it's actually quite the opposite, unfortunately. Once again, we're in a situation where we're talking about racism being at the forefront Mm -hmm. of the headlines with respect to football. Now we've seen a a pretty nasty incident play out with Romelu Lukaku and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We had no idea what was said between the two of them, but now it's emerged that Zlatan Ibrahimovic allegedly said something to him along the lines of, go and do your voodoo, part of my language, shit, you little donkey. Now... Mm -hmm. There have been some back and forth discussions around all of this. It's being investigated now to determine just what was actually said. Both players were suspended for a game after their clash in that final. Um, But really disappointing that we're having this conversation. I know that Marcus Rashford was also, again, subjected to racism on social media. But I loved how classy his response was to all of this. On Twitter, he said, humanity and social media at its worst. Yes, I'm a black man and I live every day proud that I am and so he should. No one or no one comment is going to make me feel any different. So sorry if you were looking for a strong reaction. You're just simply not going to get it here. I'm not sharing screenshots. It would be irresponsible to do so. And as you can imagine, there's nothing original in them. I have beautiful children of all colours following me and they don't need to read it. Beautiful colours that should only be celebrated. Um, If you could glean any positivity out of that, it's the way that Marcus Rashford has dealt with this because he is such a class act. I mean, what he managed to do throughout the pandemic and getting those children fed, more so than what the the UK government could at that time, I think is just remarkable. He's such a tremendous leader off the pitch and I think he's got so much value to to add beyond football, but he's using football as a vehicle to talk about these really serious issues and they are serious and I can't believe that we're still facing these types of conversations now in 2021. So that is my bad news, that racism once again is back in the headlines, but my good Good news is this. It's really great to end on this note. The brilliant Larissa Crummer is back. She's signed with Brisbane Raw. We saw that announcement come out uh, just today, or I think it might have actually even been yesterday. Um, And it's so good to see her back in the W League for the first time since 2019. Of course, she's struggled with so many injuries and re-injuries and and, and trying to go through that whole rehab process and, and feeling like she was losing sight of things, I think, must have just been so difficult for her to go through all of that mentally. But welcome back. Miss Crummer, yes. we're so delighted to see you back in the game. She's such a tremendous footballer and so much to offer, and it'll be great to see how she fits into this Brisbane Raw lineup. Guys, we've seen so many fabulous comments and engagement from you today. It's been another massive bumper show. If you missed any of it, of course, you can watch the show on demand. We had the great Sam Lewis talking all things Fox debacle and, of course, giving us a fabulous wrap of the W League. We also had the chance to catch up with MacArthur FC director Sam Kurslovich. If that is an issue that is important to you in terms of, you know, ticket prices and just how things have, you know, really been gone about from the football club's perspective by all means we encourage you to go back and watch it but big thanks to our special guests big thanks to you Stolich big thanks to everybody engaging with us and of course for a lot of the stories that we have discussed please guys do head to the World Game website it is your one-stop shop for all things football related both domestically and internationally we've got news opinion pieces video content whatever you need in football we have got you covered Stolich always great to see you my friend looking forward to another massive show next week thanks so much for all of your efforts Thank you so much, Lucy, and thank you so much for everyone tuning in and listening in and to our guests. I really like doing this show and it's always fun. 
We always love doing this show, guys, and we love sharing it with you. But on behalf of myself, Solish, and the entire team at The World Game, it's have a great week and we'll see you again next one next Wednesday from 1pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Ciao for now.